Shall we pray? Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for another wonderful opportunity to come together uh, to worship you today, to hear your word, to uh, celebrate communion. We pray now that you would bless the preparation and the proclamation of your word. May you be glorified to people blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our scripture text for this communion Sunday is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 26. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Again, today is Communion Sunday, and I want to preach from the subject, the Lord's Supper, confrontations at the table. The Lord's Supper, confrontations at the table. When we look at the Lord's Supper, we find a number of things. First, we find that the Lord's Supper is a time of appreciation. Each time we gather to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we have cause to appreciate what our loving God, what our loving Heavenly Father has done for us. From month to month, when we come to this table, we at the good old church celebrate the communion once a month. From month to month, we have occasion at this table as a family of God, as a body of baptized believers in Jesus Christ who have worshiped together and served together and prayed together all month long. We have cause to come and appreciate who God is and what God has done for us. We have a cause to appreciate what God has done for fallen humanity. The simple yet profound words of John 3, 16 and 17 sheds light on the depth of God's profound love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So it is. The bread, which symbolizes the body of Christ, the cup, uh, which symbolizes his blood, should remind us, every time we come to this table, should remind us of the passionate, the proven, and the provocative love of God. Here's the confrontation at the table. God's love for us is no joke. That's the confrontation at the table. God's love for you and for me is no joke. It's, it's not puppy love. It's not something that we should take flippantly or take lightly. God's love is no, no plaything. For God loved us so much that in spite of our behavior and our misbehavior, in spite of our conduct, our character, and our confusion, in spite of our mess ups and our mess downs, Jesus sacrificed his body on that cross and shed his precious blood on the cross in order to save us from the penalty of sin. Oh, we have so much today, y'all, to appreciate about our loving God. The words of the Apostle Paul reverberate down the corridors of time, confronting 
confronting humanity from all generations, ethnicities, social and economic backgrounds with the sobering conjunction. Listen carefully, but God, I love that conjunction, but God committed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, we didn't have it all together, while we were yet sinners, no halos on our head, while we were yet sinners, still lost in our trespasses and in our sins, while we were yet sinners, and sinners, Christ died for us. Truth be told, all of us fit into this conjunction. We can all say, I blew it. There's not one of us uh, tuned in to this sermon today that, that's beyond saying or that can get away from saying, I blew it. At some point, you blew it. At some point, I blew it. We can all say, as yet sinners, I blew it. But God, that's the conjunction. I was tripping, but God. I was off the chain, but God. I was loud mouth at some point in my life. I was foul mouth at some point in my life, but the conjunction fits here, y'all, but God, watch carefully, but God, but God, I was, I was arrogant, I was prideful, I was deceitful, I was full of myself, it was all about me, but God, but God saved, watch this, y'all, a poor, outdone, wretched, decrepit sinner like me and sinner like you. Him, genius James Rowe personalizes the enormity of the but God conjunction with the words, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more but the master. Did you get that, y'all? But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters, from, from the sinful waters, from the decrepit waters, from the deceptive waters, from the disordered waters, from the depressing and depraved waters, lifted me, lifted you. Now safe am, safe am, ah. John 15, 13 highlights the enormity of God's love by declaring greater love, greater love, great, greater love, agape love, greater love has no man than this that he laid down his life for his friends. Do you see the enormity of God's love? Do you see the conjunction there? Greater love has no man than this that he laid down his life for his friends. So today, the table, the communion table, the Lord's Supper confronts us with the monumental reminder of the reverent appreciation we should have for God and for God's love. So when we come to the table, we should come with the reverential appreciation for, for, for the love that God has shown for us for the conjunction that we find ourselves benefiting from. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Second communion is a time of anticipation. To anticipate, to anticipate, to anticipate means we look forward with great expectation towards that which is yet 
to come. That's that's anticipation. Like like when we were children, we were anticipating uh, the time of, of Christmas Day. We before marriage, we were put, uh, anticipating our, our weddings. Before college graduation, or high school graduation, we are anticipating. But this is a greater level. The communion table, the the supper of the Lord, is a time of anticipation. Time to look forward to. What is yet to come? Now, the anticipation at the table is twofold. First, there is an anticipation of the here and now. And second, there is an anticipation of what is yet to come. You see, as believers in Jesus Christ, you can anticipate God doing marvelous things in your life. Don't forget that. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can look forward to God doing marvelous things in your life. Maybe you've been investing your life in your education and, and you want to use that for God. You can anticipate God using that in a great and mighty way. Maybe you've been in, uh, 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 investing in some type of, of ministry training and you're anticipating God using that. Maybe you've been investing in your children and in your grandchildren when you can anticipate God doing great and mighty things as a believer in Jesus Christ. You see, you can anticipate God doing marvelous things in you, God doing marvelous things through you, God doing marvelous things with you. You can anticipate God doing marvelous things around you. As we move forward through this pandemic and as we putting so much work into our re-entry ministry, as we see what God is doing, I'm, I'm anticipating God doing great things with the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. He's done great things with us over the past 15 or 16 months. While we have been online, we've been reaching people around the world. We've been reaching people state to state. And, and God is doing great things. And we ought to be anticipating as we come to the table today even greater things that God will be doing in and through us. Notice what the psalmist says in Psalm 84 and 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Watch this, y'all. No good thing does he withhold from those who trust in him. Listen to me. If you are trusting in God, he is not holding withholding any good thing from you. Our church is trusting in God. He has not withheld one good thing from us. Notice the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. I love this. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. My beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are loving God with your lips and your life, the best is yet to come. God is not done with you yet. God is going to continue to, to bless you and work through you and help you. God is going to continue to use you. God is going to continue to use the Good Hope Mission and the Baptist Church. We're already reaching out locally and globally around the world. We are anticipating God doing even greater things in and through our church. Notice the words of Jeremiah 29 and 11. And even while the people of Judah were in dire straits, this is what God 
says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Listen, y'all, we've been going through a lot as a country, as a nation, and even as a people. But God has promised that. He knows the plans he has for us. God has plans to, to prosper us and, and plans to help us, to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us hope and a great future. You ought to be excited about that today. That God has in store for you a great, great, great future. The words of the psalmist Paul and Jeremiah reign true every time we assemble at the table of the Lord. Reminding us, reminding us of the reality of anticipating the good that God has in store for all who trust in Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. So instead, let me encourage you today, let me help somebody today. Instead of becoming overwhelmed with the news of a dismal, depraved, and dying world, you're listening to it, you're reading it, you're watching it, you're watching news of, 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 of the pandemic. You're watching news of the, the challenges with the Olympics this year. You're watching all kind of dismal news from a depraved and dying world. But here it is, the communion table confronts us every time we gather. With whose report will we believe? Whose report will you believe? Will it be the report of Jesus who takes care of us here and now, and who has prepared a glorious home for us eternally in the heavens, will it be the report of Jesus who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Will it be the report of Jesus who walked with his disciples and talked with his disciples and helped them when they were down and showed them when they were wrong? Will it be the report of Jesus who suffered and bled and died on the cross, who got up on the third day Sunday morning with all power? Will it be the report of Jesus who takes care of us and who has prepared for us a glorious home. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, my father's house of many mansions. If when I saw, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm going to come again and take you to be with me where I am, that where I am, you may be also. Will it be his report that we believe? Or will it be the report of doomed men and women whose only hope whose only help and whose only horizon are the things of this desolate, decaying, and doomed world. Whose report will you believe? Will you believe the report of those who are trusting in themselves? Or are you believing the report of Jesus who said, trust in me? Well, here it is, y'all. I want to let you know this is my personal testimony. It's the same as the hymn Jesus who wrote, my hope is built. On nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Watch this, y'all. On Christ the solid rock. I hope you're standing on Jesus. On Christ the solid rock. I hope your trust is in the Lord. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground. 
All other ground is sinking sand. Here it is, y'all, all other ground. Political ground, military ground, social ground, economic ground. It makes no difference how much money is in the bank, how much money is in the, in the 401, how much money is in the stocks. All of the ground is sinking sand. Can I tell you something? Whatever it is other than Jesus, either it's going to leave you or you're going to leave it. Don't put your hope in stuff or people. Put your hope in Jesus. Third communion is a time of dedication. Jesus dedicated himself to the redemption of all humankind. He dedicated his life, his love, his legacy so that people from every, I love this, Paul made this clear. I'm so excited y'all are reading through your Bibles because you, you're reading about the whole Jew-Gentile thing, the law and all, uh, how God accepted the Gentile. Well, here it is. He dedicated his life, his love, and his legacy though, so that people, watch this y'all, from every tribe, Bible, read, Bible, folks that don't know the Bible, they don't know this. Those that don't read the Bible, they miss this. But people from every tribe, nation, and tongue can be saved from sin and enjoy eternal fellowship with God, our Heavenly Father, because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Help me somebody. That means regardless of your skin color, you can be saved. That means regardless of what's in your bank account, you can be saved. That means regardless of what your family pedigree is, you can be saved because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. Verses 24 and 25 of today's text solidifies the reality of Jesus' dedication to us saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus is our master. Jesus is our model. Jesus is our, our mentor. Jesus is our master model and mentor of dedication. Such being the case, the communion table confronts each of us every time we gather with questions such as, how dedicated am I to Jesus? How dedicated am I to his church? Am I connected to a body of baptized believers in Jesus Christ? Am I dedicated to prayer and to private worship and corporate worship? Am I dedicated to Bible study, private and corporate? Am I dedicated to fellowship and giving financially to support the work of the church? Where well, I'm a member Here's some other penetrating questions that confront us at the table, y'all. This is real. When was the last time I led somebody into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? When was the last time I even told somebody about Jesus and his love? The table of the Lord, when held in highest esteem, confronts each of us with the insurance, insured with insurance. Beyond lip service, that we are dedicated to the principles. That's the, that's the confrontation at the table. That's the confrontation. It confronts each of us to, to be sure that, that beyond lip service, we, we, we are dedicated to the principles, the practices, and the purposes of Jesus. Fourth communion 
It's a time for proclamation. Notice verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, the table confronts us. The table confronts us with the challenge. Here's the confrontation. It's more than just coming and, and eating and drinking. Here's the confrontation. Every time we come to the table, we are confronted with the challenge of being spokesmen and women, spokesmen and spokeswomen for Jesus. Here it is. Each of us, without regard for age, race, gender, theological training, or any other human initiated inhibitors have the divine responsibility of proclaiming, pronouncing, and promoting Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Don't leave preaching and teaching and telling the story and sharing what the Lord has done for you with anybody else. Don't, don't leave that to the pastor. Don't, don't leave that to the pastoral staff. Don't leave that to your small group leaders. Don't leave that to your teachers. Don't, don't, don't leave that. You are a charge a charge with proclaiming what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. You see, you tell your story for yourself. Because can't nobody tell your story like you tell it. Don't nobody really know except you and the Lord how deep your relationship is with him and, and, and what God has really done for you. Can't nobody tell what God has done for you like you can tell it. I'm reminded of a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 after having met Jesus at the well. That's a wonderful story. I know you Bible readers enjoy reading that. That's a wonderful story. He, he met her at at Jacob's well there. And, and after having met Jesus and having this conversation, this confrontation with him, the Bible says she left her water pot and ran back to the city. And I like this. I, I saw this in my text. And told, get this y'all, told the men. Here is a woman, but she goes back and she tells the, she tells the men in verse 39, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Now here's a footnote, y'all. She wasn't worried about anyone telling her that she couldn't preach. I want y'all to get that. I mean, here's the one. She wasn't, she wasn't worried about anybody telling her that she had no business preaching Jesus. She wasn't worried about that. She didn't feel people throwing up her pants in her face. She didn't allow that to stop her from proclaiming who the Lord was, the Lord Jesus Christ was in her life. She didn't allow the fact, help me somebody, that she had five marriages and five divorces, five failed marriages. She didn't allow that to stop her from proclaiming what the Lord had done for her. No. She didn't even allow the fact that prior to meeting Jesus, she was living with a man outside of 
being married. She didn't allow that to stop us. Her. No, once she met Jesus for herself, once she took a drink of the living water, once she received Christ as her Lord and Savior, she told her story. She told the story of who Jesus was to her and what the Lord had done for her. The table confronts us, y'all, to tell the story of Jesus and his love. And don't be inhibited by critics. Don't be stopped by people who talk about your past and what you can do and can't do and shouldn't ought not do. You just tell your story and leave the rest to Jesus. In fact, this woman told her story. And the man said to her, you know, we don't only believe because of what you say, but we believe in him because we have met him for ourselves. Finally, lastly today, communion is a time of invitation. You see, when we really look at the table, what we have in the bread and in the cup is God's offer of salvation. John 3.16 again tells us that God sent Jesus to set the salvation table. God so loved God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He set the communion table 2,000 years ago and that whosoever believes in Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross as payment for their sins can be saved, will be saved. So here's the confrontation at the table. This confrontation, y'all, either accept Jesus Christ as Savior or reject him as Savior. There, there's no middle ground. There's no plan B. There are no other options. At the table, it confronts us with the truth that the world doesn't want to hear because the world wants to hear that there are other ways, there are multiple ways. You can be a good person. You can go to church. You can do all these things. But the Bible tells us, this is the confrontation, that Jesus is the only way to salvation, the only way to God. So here's the good news at the table. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. So would you accept Jesus' invitation today? Would you come to the Lord just as you are? Come saying, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, that thy bidding me come to thee, O Lamb of God. I come. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ, you might want to pray something like this. Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Today I'm repenting from my sins. I'm turning away from my sins. And I am trusting the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for my salvation. Jesus lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial death. He was buried. He rose from the third day morning with all power. Father, we thank you for this word today. We pray that you be glorified. Your people will be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper, the text says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord, on the same night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat together. Likewise, he took the cup and said, this is the new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us drink.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord Jesus Christ always be gracious unto you. May he grant you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen.